Good morning. It is Wednesday, December 22nd, and this is the Commuter Devotional. My name is Chuck, and I'm so glad that you have decided to join us today as we seek to engage our God in scripture and prayer before the busyness of our day begins. We just finished up the book of Malachi, and with the book of Malachi, we finished one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven minor prophet books in a row. So we've been in the Old Testament for a long time. We're overdue to jump into the New Testament, and when the new year starts, that's exactly what we're going to do. Where we're going to go, I have a pretty good idea, but haven't landed on anything yet. We had asked a few months ago where you guys wanted to go, and we got a lot of suggestions, and so we're just going to go through those again and make a decision for the new year. But for the rest of the week, we're just going to take three days to look at different passages in the New Testament preparing us for Christmas. Next week, we're going to take the week off. Well, I'm going to take the week off. We'll play some reruns, so we'll still have devotions each day, but there'll be ones that we've done in the past. And then starting in the new year, we'll start in the New Testament. So with that being said, let me read our passage for us today. I'll pray, and then we'll dive right into it. This is Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 through 17. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Aminadab, and Aminadab the father of Nashon, and Nashon the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab, and Boaz the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse, and Jesse the father of David. And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah, and Solomon the father of Rehoboam, and Rehoboam the father of Abijah, and Abijah the father of Asaph, and Asaph the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Joram, and Joram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Amos, and Amos the father of Josiah, and Josiah the father of Jeconiah, and his brothers at the time of the deportation to Babylon. And after the deportation to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abiud, and Abiud the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Achim, and Achim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Mathon, and Mathon the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called the Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were fourteen generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, fourteen generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, fourteen generations. Let's pray together. Father, as we look at uh, the opening words of the New Testament, we look at this long passage that sometimes we just skip over in our Bibles. God, help us to look at it carefully today. And most of all, help us to learn more about you. Help us to see you in a new way to prepare our hearts for Christmas in just a few days. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. As an adult, a lot of times we say, oh, we get through Genesis and a lot of times we can get through Exodus, but by the time we hit Leviticus, we just can't keep reading anymore. Leviticus is uh, typically a hard book of the Bible to read. Well, I remember as a little kid feeling that way about Matthew because I really couldn't get through these first 17 verses. And now as an adult, I can appreciate them differently. But even still, a lot of times these are verses of the New Testament that we're like, okay, we got to skip over this to get into the birth story of who Jesus is. 
And while we're not gonna do a huge book study now on the book of Matthew, and while we will in the future, that's not what we're gonna do right now, this is how Matthew starts the book. And so, like we learned with a lot of the other books of the Bible, especially Mark, sometimes these gospel writers, well, they put everything we need to know about the rest of the book in these first few verses because these are the goggles or the glasses that we need to see this writer's narrative from. And in this book of the Bible, it starts with the genealogy of Jesus, all the way from Abraham through Christ. And it's odd because there's another book of genealogy at the beginning of Luke, and it starts with Adam. So right away, we know something's up here. Matthew's skipping a lot of people. And in fact, throughout the lines, he's skipping a lot of people. So Matthew must be doing something, something strange here. What is he trying to do? Well, in verse 1, we know that he's telling the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. So he's highlighting these two people. And of course, if you know some Old Testament history, you definitely know these characters and you know what they're about. Abraham was the one that the covenant was originally given to way back in the beginning of Genesis. And then later on in the Old Testament, there was the Davidic covenant. And in that covenant said that a king will come from your line, David, a king. So we have these two people. Abraham, the one from whom the Savior and the covenant is made, and David, the one from whom the king will come. And so when Matthew starts to tell us these generations, he's moving from Abraham to David, from David to Babylon, from Babylon to Christ. And we're told in verse 17 that there's 14 generations between each. Hmm. Well, we know from Luke there weren't actually 14 generations, so what's Matthew doing with these 14 here? And well, this is a little bit confusing. Hopefully we can get through it. The Hebrew language is different than um, English. So in Hebrew, all the letters correspond with a number. It would be like if A also was our number one and B was also our number two. And that being said, the word David in Hebrew actually adds up to 14. And so 14 has been a significant number in Israelite history for a long, long time. And so, 14 is kind of seen as this number of the king, the number of David. And so, 14 generations from Abraham to David signifies that he was not just the king, he was a perfect king. But in our story, in this genealogy, Christ comes from 14, 14, 14. 14 from Abraham to David, 14 from David to Babylon, and 14 from Babylon to Christ. Meaning, he's not just the king like David was. There's something super significant about this Christ. As you've probably heard before on different commentaries about this passage, this genealogy here mentions a lot of shady characters. Characters that might not necessarily be ones we want to bring up in our family tree. Some of them include Judah. Some of them include Perez and Zerah by Tamar. That story in Genesis is horrific, what happened with Tamar. Later on, we hear about Rahab, who of course was a prostitute. We hear about David, the father of Solomon, by the wife of Uriah. Well, this is the famous story of David and Bathsheba. Uriah, of course, being the one that he murdered. And it's mentioned here in our story. There's good kings here. There's bad kings here. And it's all written into the history, the genealogy of our Christ. And we have to remember, it's not just this kingly theme that's being brought out here in this genealogy. There's also this savior idea, this covenant idea that comes from the beginning of verse 1 when he talks about Abraham. 
And so, my friends, these first 17 verses, there's so much to unpack if we unpack the specific characters that are mentioned. But at the very least, as we prepare for Christmas, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of two huge ideas from the Old Testament. One, that Jesus is the King of Kings, 14, 14, 14. He's in the line of David, yes, the great king, but he's even greater than David ever was. And secondly, he's in the line of Abraham. He's the fulfillment of this covenant made thousands of years ago at the very beginning of the Old Testament. And though the genealogy of Jesus is littered with bad kings and good kings and and horrific examples of sin and sinfulness, Jesus fulfills the covenant, and he has finally come. My friends, as we prepare now for Christmas just a few days away, won't we recognize and see who Jesus truly is? We just finished Malachi, and now we jump into the New Testament. And this year, technically, this is the next verse. I mean, you turn the page, and here we are in the book of Matthew. Unless you have some sort of introduction, you get the end of Malachi, and then you get a page that says the New Testament, and then you get this. This is how they saw best to read our Bibles when they put together the canon of Scripture. And we start with his genealogy. So as we go today, won't we meditate on it? Won't we see that Jesus is King? He is Savior. He's a light to the nations. He's the fulfillment of the covenant. Way back at the beginning of Genesis. On Wednesdays, we always pray through a psalm. And since we are speaking so much about David, let's pray together from Psalm 51. Father, how fun it is to open up and see the genealogy of our Lord. To see that he was fully man. He came from a line of people of humans, and yet he was fully God at the same time. The incarnation is mind-boggling, and God, as we try to meditate on it, we are reminded that our minds cannot comprehend some of the glories that you have given to us. And Father, as we look at this genealogy, we see sin, and we should see ourselves in this genealogy. You've got liars, evildoers, prostitutes, adulterers, murderers, and all of them fallen and sinful in need of this Messiah who would come through their line. Father, as we look at David, the king, the great king, the one that you chose for your people, even he wasn't perfect. And Father, we reflect on Psalm 51, and knowing that after he committed a horrific series of sins, the cry of his heart was to turn back to you, Lord. God, we see in Psalm 51 how he has seen his sin, He recognizes it and he calls out to be washed and cleansed from it. He knows the sin and the deep chasm between you and him that exists now because of these sins. And Father, he calls out to you in verse 7 to purge him and make him clean and wash him to be as white as snow. And ultimately, he turns his prayer to you in worship and praise, knowing that it's good sacrifice. It's a good and clean heart that you're after. Father, as we reflect on Christmas in this passage, Lord, won't you make inside of us a clean heart? Would we repent from our sins? It's so necessary to communion with you. Won't you forgive us? We see our sinfulness. We see our need for a Savior to come, especially at this Christmas time, to think about Jesus coming to save us. We need it so badly. Father, won't you be with us today? Pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Go in peace. I will see you tomorrow.